Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 277 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, The Ring Digital YouTube channel, ringtv.com. You guys know the drill. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure that you click that notification bell right here where you're watching me live right now so that you never miss a live version of the show. And, of course, make sure that you're subscribed to my platforms I'm on uh, every single podcast platform I, it, there is, and there's 10 billion of them. It's at Montero on Boxing. Just search for me, The Neutral Corner. You'll find me. You can listen to the audio podcast if you can't catch the live video. The latest issue of Ring Magazine's out in the store, so make sure you guys check that out. <clears throat> okay, so uh, this is uh, TNC 277 for the week of August 14th. And as always, you know, I'm going to remind you guys again. Make sure you're subscribed and you guys, you got to support me because I'm going to go in a little bit today. I'm going to rant a little bit and I'm going to say some things that are going to ruffle some feathers and they're going to go after me this week. All right. It it is what it is. I already know some of the things they're going to try to hit me with. I need your support because every time I go in and tell the truth, uh, I, you know, I get attacked. It is what it is. There's certain people that are just kind of being quiet right now to kind of keep their place in line or to move up a step or two in line. And then there's other people that are putting out the, I guess, obligatory tweet. Oh, these scorecards were bad, you know, something like that. And then they'll kind of quiet down and go back to business as usual. And of course I'm talking about the PBC on Fox show this weekend where we had a really, really bad scorecard. Um, Definitely the robbery of the year and probably one of the worst decisions I've ever seen actually in, in all my years watching the sport covering the sport and you know collectively just as a fan and now as a fan slash media member uh that that's decades worth of of boxing and um this is seriously one of the worst decisions i've ever seen and there's lots of elements to it so i'll get into all of that um let's really quickly jump into news and notes and you know i apologize ahead of time if i'm a little negative today um (laughs) you guys can see from my banner here News and notes. Boxing sucks in 2021. That's going to kind of be the tone of this episode. So I apologize in advance because I'm probably going to say the word fuck a lot. Um, And I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers and use some verbiage and language that makes some of you uncomfortable. Some of you more sensitive types. Just relax. Understand that, you know, it's going to be okay. We'll get through this. But um, I'm going through a phase right now of just frustration with this sport. And that's part of being a diehard boxing fan, which of course I am. Um, When you're passionate about this sport, there are lulls. There are are peaks and valleys, right? And we are definitely in a valley right now. And what we saw this Saturday, you know, there's been several bad decisions over the summer. But for the most part, you know, news and notes today, why I'm saying boxing sucks in 2021 is because the news and notes I have to report today, I feel like I could say the same thing I've been saying for the last fucking month. Canelo isn't fighting in September, okay? And he's going to fight probably in November. Cool. But it it does matter to a certain extent for, for the business of boxing that the premier fighter right now, the face of the sport, if you will. And I I know some of the Floyd guys will jump on me and say, but Floyd Mayweather, I'm talking about active fighters, okay? 
Floyd's not an active fighter. He's not fighting active boxers. He's fighting YouTubers and MMA guys. Actual active fighters in the prime of their career doing things that matter. Canelo Alvarez is the face of the sport. And second to him, it's Anthony Joshua. And then it's the field, right? But here in North America, it's Canelo. And he's not fighting on the most important date in North American boxing for the third straight year in a row. Oh, it just so happens to be Mexican Independence Day weekend. And Canelo just so happens to be from Mexico. I don't know if you noticed that. So the not only the face of boxing in North America, the premier attraction, but a guy from Mexico, one of the most one of the, one of the most famous people in all of Mexico right now, but definitely one of the, the biggest athletes in all of Mexico is not fighting on Mexican Independence Day weekend. That's that's a pretty big deal. And it shows how dysfunctional things are right now. Because regardless of what you ever had to say about Floyd Mayweather and the guys before him, Oscar, whoever it was, but just sticking with Floyd in the modern era, no matter what, even if the guy got arrested and was set to do jail time, (laughs) he fought around Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day. The government of Nevada moved heaven and earth to ensure that happened. Okay, The guy literally had a prison sentence that they delayed so he could fight on those two dates. That shows you how important, and he's not Mexican. That just shows you how important those two dates are to the business of boxing in North America. And the fact that the premier attraction in the sport right now isn't fighting for the third time in a row. Do I give a shit on the exact date of when Canelo fights? Fuck no, I don't give a damn. But a lot of people do. A lot of people with a vested interest, millions of vested interests, if you follow me, uh, they do. So this is a big deal. and It's indicative of how dysfunctional and fucked up the sport is right now. And I defend boxing just about more than anybody. I, I really, really do. So if I come off again, being negative today or saying a few things that uh, make you guys question my love and passion for the sport, please understand, I'm just frustrated. Because Canelo Plant not happening, that's the same news from last week, the week before, the week before, right? And then we talked about Canelo Beevil, and apparently they agreed to terms to fight at 172, but eh, we're going to go ahead and not fight in September anyway. And watch, in November, we still might end up getting Canelo versus Plant. It's not that that, that fight is 100% dead. It could still happen. So anyway, it's just frustrating. So we got some shitty scorecards this weekend. The best fighters in the sport are not fighting often enough. And the best fighters in the sport are not fighting each other often enough. That's basically the news and notes this week. And I feel like that news and notes synopsis could be, I could have used that for every fucking week since what? The beginning of June, the last three months, basically. So I could just switch it out. So news and notes this week is dog shit. All right. That's just the truth. Super chat from feeling dangerous. Thank you so much, man. Uh, He said, glad I was busy and didn't tune into the Fox card. Uh, Trying to show some support to someone who holds the powers that be accountable. Keep it up, my friend. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate that, man. And I I am going to need your guys' support because they're going to go after me. I got some things to say today that people ain't going to like. Uh, Adam P in the chat, he says, uh, oh, poor millionaires. Listen, man, I hear you. I hear you. And again, Adam, I I don't care 
if Canelo fights on Mexican Independence Day weekend or not. I'm just saying that come hell or high water, when Floyd Mayweather was the face of the sport, literally they delayed a prison sentence so that guy could fight. Okay. The government, if any of us did what Floyd did, we'd be thrown in jail and they'd, they'd locked up and they'd throw away the key, right? They delayed a prison sentence so that dude could fight on a particular weekend, okay? So all I'm telling you is, and this isn't about Floyd, it's about Canelo. Canelo is at the point now where he's not only more important than the titles, he's beyond the titles, he's beyond weight classes because he makes his own weight classes. Now he's beyond his own national holiday, apparently. That's how big of a diva Canelo Alvarez has become. I'm just saying, dude, it is indicative And it symbolizes how dysfunctional the fucking sport is right now. It's in a really crazy dysfunctional place, dude. That's all I'm saying. I don't give a shit what date these guys fight on. Jose Guzman says the sport the last few weeks has been trash. Yeah, it's pretty hard to defend, man. We've had a couple of good fights. We really, really have. But it's been pretty hard to defend some of the things out there. So, all right, guys, I'm going to get right into this fight review and look phone lines are open but we're going to delay phones i need to get some shit off my chest and i i just want you guys to listen i know a lot of you guys have been trying to get on the phones lately and i sincerely appreciate that but i really need you guys to listen to me today because i've been thinking about this and trying to come to this whole robbery thing that happened right and i'll get i'm going to cover every single angle of this thing because there's multi-layered, there's all these different toppings to it, okay? It's not just a pepperoni pizza. It's a fucking supreme. There's all sorts of toppings. I will cover all of them. But I've been trying to think, can I come from this? Can I come, uh, can I talk about it from a different angle? Because I feel like I've been ranting about this shit forever. And there are times where I just bang my head into a wall and I'm like, what? why the fuck do I even care? Why am I trying so fucking hard? And I kind of had an epiphany last night. I was actually laying in bed thinking about how I was going to come to the show and talk about this today. Because um, I, I, I do prep for this show, believe it or not, several days of prep. And um, I, I had a little bit of an epiphany. So uh, let me get to this. Okay, real quick, guys. Tuesday, August 3rd at the MSG Theater in New York. Um, There's a fight card on Triller. Um, this was pretty much just a bunch of showcase fights. Uh, Ivan Golub, a Ukrainian now based in Brooklyn, scored a unanimous decision win over Eric Walker in a welterweight bout. Michael Hunter, TKO4, Mike Wilson in a complete showcase fight. Uh, heavyweight Chris Algieri returned, first fight in two years, got a unanimous decision win, I think also in a welterweight fight. Friday, August 6th from Falls Park in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and uh, ESPN picked this up, ESPN Plus, I should say. Uh, so top-ranked show. Michael Conlon scores a unanimous decision win over TJ Doany, who has now lost three of his last four, but has never been stopped. Always goes rounds, right? This was a uh, a junior featherweight uh, fight for another one of the WBA shit titles that nobody cares about. I don't recognize it. Don't give a fuck. Um, good for Michael Conlon, but a uh, friend of the show. He's been on the show. We're definitely going to have him back on the show, but I don't recognize the title, brother. Love you. But can't recognize that title. It's fucking trash. That's a trash organization. I'm sick defending them. Um, so that's what happened Friday. Also, uh, great atmosphere for that fight. Not the best fight in terms of entertainment value, though. But terrific atmosphere, and the fans were happy with what they got. Saturday, August 7th, Kid Galahad over in England in Brentwood at Matchwood Fight Camp, or Match Room Fight Camp, uh, scores an 11th round stoppage win in a rematch with James Dickens, wins a vacant 
uh, featherweight title. He now, now look, two years ago, Galahad had a split decision loss to Josh Warrington for the IBF featherweight title. Wanted that rematch, right? And Warrington clearly wasn't interested, went a different way. And now look where Josh Warrington has ended up. Funny enough, this was for the vacant IVF featherweight title. So, so Kid Galahad didn't get his rematch with Warrington, but he got another crack at the title, and now he owns it outright. Also on that card, uh, a couple of undefeated heavyweight prospects. Fabio Wardley out of the UK improved a 12-0 with a TKO win, one win. That really didn't do much for him as opponent. And Alan Babic, 8-0. Uh, out of Croatia with a fifth-round stoppage win himself. Then there was this card, uh, PBC on Fox at the Armory in Minneapolis. And in the main event, uh, Imantis Stanionis had a no decision with Luis Colazzo. This was a 149-pound catch weight. Uh, accidental head clash uh, caused a, a cut, and, and the fight was stopped. So it's, it's a no contest, no decision for Stanionis. Um, who is a, a welterweight prospect, but he was a couple pounds over for this. I don't know why. It just, it, you know, whatever. Anyway, he is a welterweight prospect we'll keep an eye on. I'm not crazy excited about him quite yet, but we'll keep an eye on him. Also, uh, Devin Alexander on this card. Man, at one point, this guy was on pound for pound lists, you know, uh, undefeated. Um, I, I want to say, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was a unified title holder at one point. And, um, man, he has now lost six of his last nine going back to 2013. His last win was in 2017. I'm not sure why Devin Alexander continues to fight other than perhaps he has money problems. But if you're his management at some point, it's like, dude, why, why are you continuing to do this? Uh, you're three and six going back eight years, nine years. So anyway, I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but he fought on this card. And then, of course, in the co-main. Gabriel Maestre scores a unanimous decision win over Michael Fox for another one of these WBA shit titles. This is for the technically the WBA interim welterweight championship. Now, uh, Maestre, a lot of you guys probably haven't heard of him. 34 years old. He is now 4-0 technically as a professional fighter. Uh, originally from Venezuela, his adopted home country now is Colombia. So he does bring a little bit of economic muscle from Latin America, South America, because he was uh, he had an extensive amateur career. Um, I don't have his exact amateur record, but he fought six years in the World Series of Boxing, multiple world championships. He fought in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics. And anyway, this was an absolute fucking robbery. Now. I bitch about bad judging all the time on this show, right? And there, there are certain excuses that I hear all the time. Because you'll see oftentimes two judges will score a fight correctly that one judge is way off, right? And then, so it's a, it's a majority decision when it should be a unified or uh, unanimous decision. And I'll bitch about that one scorecard. But then people out there will say, Mike, calm down. The right guy won, right? You guys see that all the time. Or um, there will be a close fight that's competitive, seven rounds to five, eight rounds to four, but there's a clear winner. But the, all three judges will have it a shutout. And I'll bitch about those scorecards. And people will say, calm down, Mike. The right guy won, right? Those of you who watch my show or listen every week, you've heard me talk about this. You've heard me bring up these 
scenarios, these situations recently, over the summer, we've seen it multiple times, right? Or like with uh, Charlo Castaño, well, it was a draw. Um, I can accept the draw because, you know, nobody lost at least when Castaño clearly won that fight. Those are the sorts of excuses you hear. Or, oh, well, fighter B was fighting in fighter A's hometown. So, you know, that's just the way it goes. Or you got to take the championship belt from the champion, right? You really got to take it from them. These are all the sorts of excuses you hear. Or um, it was a close fight that could have went either way. And sometimes that truly is the case, right? But these are all the sorts of excuses or justifications, explanations that we as boxing fans accept all the time. And I admit that I've been guilty of it myself, okay? This particular fight, none of those things were a factor. This wasn't for a legitimate championship. This wasn't a massive superstar fighting a, a no-name. This was essentially two no-names. Was there an A-side? Yes. Was there a promotional uh, in-house fighter? Yes, of course. But this wasn't a case where Canelo got the benefit of the doubt in his first fight with Gennady Golovkin, or Andre Ward got the benefit of the doubt in his first fight with Sergey Kovalev in the close rounds, where it was very much an establishment versus outsider kind of thing. That's not what this was. This was two no-names, right? This was two prospects, basically. Um, this wasn't a close fight that could have went either way. This wasn't one guy fighting in another guy's hometown. I mean, none of these instances pertain to this situation. This was just one guy winning probably nine or 10 rounds. Michael Fox won nine or 10 rounds in this fight. And if you just look at like the punch numbers, you can see where it was competitive. It, it wasn't like he absolutely annihilated this guy, but he clearly controlled nine or 10 rounds of this fight. And he dropped dude. Despite that, the three judges scored it. Now, David Singh had it the closest. He had it 114-113, which means he had it 7-5 for Maestre. John Mariano had it 115-112, which means he had it eight rounds to four. This Gloria Martinez Rizzo, who we'll talk about plenty in this show, trust me, she had it 117-110, which is essentially 10 rounds to two. So her scorecard was completely off the fucking reservation. This was Adelaide Bird-esque. And that's the reason why I brought up Canelo Golovkin as an example, because to me, this is the shittiest scorecard since that scorecard, right? Um, it, it just pulled me right back to that time. <clears throat> but in a co-main on a club-level show that just so happened to be on national television, uh, that's what this was. So... I'm struggling to find words. I try to explain incompetent scoring to casual observers of the sport. I try to explain, not justify, but explain the ways that a, a poor judge could have a shitty scorecard without it being corruption necessarily. Because corruption's the last place I want to go to. That is the last place. I would rather hit every other possibility first. Well, maybe this person just preferred this other style too much, or maybe this person got influenced by the fans or whatever it was, right? 
But in this particular case, there is no other word. This was flat out corruption. That's it. This wasn't a bad night at the office or no, flat out corruption. And two of the judges, particularly this David Singh, they try to at least make it look somewhat sane because their scorecards were, I mean, they were terrible. Okay. Don't, don't get me wrong, but they were somewhat sane. But this woman, her scorecard was so bad that you, you cannot possibly explain it away. But all three judges had bad scorecards, so bad, in fact, that there is no other explanation other than flat-out corruption. So Twitter blows up with this, right, because an American fighter got ripped off. And a lot of you guys out there who are telling guys like me to lighten up when an Eastern European or a Latin American or an African or an Asian or a UK fighter, whoever it is, gets ripped off. This time, an American kid got ripped off, and now you're really fucking upset. Now you're pounding the pavement, and you want answers. You want the truth when you didn't give a fuck when that immigrant who's been busting his ass came over here and got ripped off on an undercard that benefited an American fighter, right? You guys got to keep the same energy, because I always do. And if you don't believe me, go back and check the track record. I keep the same fucking energy on this. I'm not the only one. But seriously, a lot of you guys change your energy depending on who's getting ripped off. Anyway, so now there's different aspects to this. And everyone's looking for someone to blame, right? Because this can't be explained away. This was, again, not a close fight that could go either way. Not a superstar fighting a, a lesser star. Nothing like that. This was a completely one-sided, easy-to-score fight that the, the, all three judges fucked up, right? So this is obvious corruption. And now what you have is different parties trying to save face by blaming other parties. So I'm going to share my screen in a moment and show you guys a few things. But basically, the WBA is blaming the Minnesota Commission for approving the judges, even though it's the WBA's fucking judges. The PBC is trying to pretend like this wasn't a robbery. They're not using, they're not even using the word controversial to describe this, by the way, on their own social media. I'm going to show you. But they're trying to blame it on the WBA, right? Even some of the, the, some of the PBC commentators who were brave enough to comment about this, and I give them credit for that, but they're blaming the WBA. Everyone's blaming somebody else. Nobody wants to just take ownership of this and, and talk about the whole thing. And so fans, of course, because everything has to be divided politically these days, it divided along political lines, demographic lines, take your fucking pick. I'm seeing that already on Twitter. And some people are like, oh, don't criticize the PBC. This, this is the WBA. Well, top rank works with the WBO. Yeah, I know that. But in this particular instance, they're not a part of this. Why are you bringing it up? Well, the golden boy, everyone's bringing up different promoters. No, dude, in this particular case, and this is the shittiest scorecard we've seen in several years, the parties are the PBC, the WBA. And if you want to say the Minnesota Commission, sure, but they really had the least to do with this, honestly. And by the way, who's cutting the check for these folks? Who is writing the check, signing it, and sending it off? The promoter. The promoter of the show is who pays everybody, not just the fighters. 
Yes, the commission will approve the judges and all that good stuff. The sanctioning organization, by the way, also approves the judges in their own. They have a pool of judges that they work with. But the people cutting the check is the promotion. So the onus is on them to take some ownership of this as well. And I'd be, I'd have the same motherfucking energy. You guys saw me reaming Oscar De La Hoya right next to Bob Bennett when Canelo Golovkin happened. If, if you're new to my show, you're new to my work, just look it up. There's plenty of evidence, okay? I have reamed everybody on this. I'm not just beating up on one particular party here. All right. I want to show you guys some things. First of all, let's share my screen. Um, I want to show you guys this, okay? <clears throat> Whew. I'm definitely going to lose my voice today. I told you guys about this before. Tom Gray over at Ring Magazine, one of my uh, associates at Ring. He, is, he has started a thread, if you will, a series of, of articles. Unfortunately, we wish it was only one a year, but he just had one of these recently. Mark your card, all right? And I want you guys to bookmark these because these are going to be important to go back to when we see future robberies. But what I like about what Tom does with this, and if you guys would like, um, I will post a link I'll uh, uh, in a pinned comment on this video. But just go to ringtv.com. It, it's up there, okay? You'll find it. But Tom lays all the information out for you, okay? You get, you get the weight class, the location, all the statistics. Then he gives you a brief breakdown of the fight, right? He keeps it brief. He gives you his scorecard, which he had it pretty much how most people had it, uh, nine rounds to three for Fox. That's the most common score I have seen, uh, 117 to 110. That's the most common scorecard I have seen by, you know, sane people. Then he gives you the official judges scorecards. Okay. Then, uh, well, there's, there's some other stuff right here. He'll give you some final analysis. He showed a poll that uh, we did at ring and that's that. So I highly recommend you guys go and check these out, bookmark them, save the link because they're going to come in handy in the future when we need to have these judges' names, okay? I also want to show you I – I found this very, very interesting. I want to show you PBC's YouTube page. This isn't all PBC, okay? I get because the PBC – guys, look, they're going to come after me this week. Again, I'm just telling you, I, I already know the tweets that are coming. Anyway, this is PBC's YouTube channel, and pretty much right after this fight, they posted, uh, I'm just going to read the title of this video. And you guys tell me what they left out here. It says, Maestri surprises in win over Fox, comma, earns interim WBA welterweight title. Then in a pinned comment, I'm scrolling down here on the page, they say, did the judges get it right giving Maestri the win? Now, guys. I'm not expecting the PBC to shit all over their fighter because I get it. The A side here, the guy that they're trying to push promotionally is Maestri, not Fox, who basically was lost two fights in a row questionably. The last one was a lot closer than this one, though. Anyway, they didn't use the word controversial. They used the word earns. He earned this interim title. Right, they they mentioned the WBA right in the title, which tells you how in business these two organizations are. And I get it, 
the WBO is we're Bob's organization because they're in business with top rank. However, the WBO doesn't have 5,000 champions per division, and you don't see the same amount of robberies over there. We just haven't, guys. I'm not saying that hasn't happened because it has happened, but we haven't had the multitude of robberies and fuckery over there that we've had over this summer with PBC. Uh, big fights, you know, with Charlo Castaño and, and then like this level fight, which is basically this, this card belonged on FS1. This is not a Fox worthy card. The last few Fox cards have been really rough, really, really rough. Anyway, to not use the word controversial, uh, to, to not, to include this, this title that the second, actually, this isn't even a secondary. This is a third tier title. This isn't even a regular title, right? This is because the BA has a champion in recess, a super champ, a regular champ, and now an interim champ all in the same fucking division. So just the whole way this is set up by PBC, they're being very, very overly pragmatic about this. They could have at least thrown in the word controversial. They could have at least listed the judges' names. I'm looking here, and I don't see in the description of the video, I'm going to highlight it right here for you guys. I don't see the judges' names. I don't see the judges' scorecards. I don't see a mention of the uh, any polls. We did a poll at Ring TV on our Twitter to ask you guys, the fans, who you thought won. PBC didn't do that. PBC didn't include, if they did do a, a poll, they didn't include the results here. They didn't include press row scoring. They didn't include their own broadcasts scoring of the fight. None of that is included in the title, the description, or this pinned comment. They're being very, very pragmatic. And only 90,000 people have watched this video, but I can't believe it has 946 likes. It has more than twice the amount of likes as dislikes. Who the fuck's watching this? I think we know who's watching it. It's the protectors and the defenders. But if the majority of boxing fans were seeing this video, if it had a million views, overwhelmingly, there'd be more thumbs down than thumbs up, right? So I just look at the ratios. I look at the, the comments here and what's being left out. It's pretty obvious what the agenda is. Okay. I also wanted to show you guys a couple more things. <clears throat> like I said, I, I'm going in, I, I'm going to review this from every possible angle. Okay. Because there's an angle here that a lot of people are missing out on. Let's pull up the WBA welterweight ratings. All right. Now, as I mentioned, their champ in recess is Manny Pacquiao. Super champs, Jordanos Ugas. WBA world champion, that's the regular champ. That's Jamal James. So, and then they have a gold champion. I forgot about him. He's actually a golden boy fighter. Okay. So, but then you also have, uh, at, right now in this rating, he's number four, Gab Gabriel Maestre. But now he's probably going to be bumped up because he has their interim belt. So if you include the interim belt, four of the five champions, there are five motherfucking champions at welterweight with the WBA right now. Five in one division, guys. But four of the five are with PBC. Four of the five. And the number one rated fighter, that's kind of slipping over, sliding under the radar right here. But Imantis Stanionis is rated number one. So 
Why do I mention this? Because watch what happens. Uh, Maestro is going to move up in the ratings, but I also want to show this too. Uh, number 12, they did bring Michael Fox in at number 12 so they could justify him and Maestro being in a quote unquote title fight. They had to bring Michael Fox in at least at number 12 to justify that being a quote unquote title fight. But Maestro will probably move up in the ratings now, right? They'll move up Michael Fox to save face a little bit. But why Stanionis number one and Maestro number four? Why do I bring this up? Because if you just do a little bit of research, you will find out that these two fought in the 2015 World Championships. Stanionis defeated Maestro to win the gold. He was the 2015 World Champion. And Maestro had to settle for a bronze in the 2015 World Championships. To me, that's a big thing people are overlooking because that's a storyline. So you had these two fighting in a main event in a co-main on the same card, same weight class. There's a history there. They fought each other in the amateurs, right? So there's a storyline that you can build off of. And I'm not trying to say this was ever going to be a huge fight, but it's pretty fucking obvious that the plan at PBC was to match these two at some point. Also, the PBC has a heavy investment in the welterweight division, right? You're about to get Spence and Pacquiao fighting. They're going to fight for three of the four titles. So you've got guys here that potentially could face Errol Spence when he beats Manny Pacquiao. So you've got several different possibilities, but down the line, you've got a potential fight between Stanionis and Maestri. And clearly the PBC was planning that because they stacked him on the same motherfucking card. And clearly the WBA was in bed with that plan because they already had Stanionis rated number one. But despite him being rated number one, the guy that was fighting for their interim belt was the number four rated guy. So they were lining things up to fight these two. That is why Maestri couldn't lose to Fox. All right. That's it. It's that simple. The math is right there. Just do the fucking math. It, you cannot, there's no other possible explanation here. There's just none. PBC, WBA wanted this outcome. They wanted Stanionis to win and Maestri to win. And they got it done. It was so egregious though. Michael Fox overperformed. He was coming off a loss, remember? Controversial, but coming off a loss. I think he had lost twice coming into this fight and Maestre was undefeated. So on paper, they're like, Oh, this is going to be good matchmaking. He'll learn on the job. This dude's going to go rounds. Our guy will get experience and we'll just edge it. And it'll be close enough where we could say, ah, close. Could have went either way. Right? Like the last time Michael Fox fought, but that didn't happen. Michael Fox fucked up the party one, nine or 10 rounds. And now we're left with this, what the fuck moment. And everyone's pointing fingers, trying to, you know, blame it on somebody else. But it's so obvious what the plan here was. And I'm just telling you guys the way these things work. So I've listened to several podcasts today and looked at everyone's Twitter accounts and nobody mentioned the 2015 World Championships and that storyline that's there for a possible matchup. Nobody even mentioned that these two are fighting on the same motherfucking card. Main event, co-mate. Obviously, the plan was to match these two. And <clears throat> obviously... When you look at the international money that Stanionos brings in is from Lithuania, he brings in some money from Europe, and you get some foreign money from uh, for Maestre because, like I said, he he's not a huge brand, but he's a name down there in Latin America and South America because he had such an extensive 
uh, amateur career and you fought in two Olympics for Venezuela. So he does have somewhat of a name down there. So those are the guys that were supposed to win so they can build to something. <clears throat> That's how this thing works, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let me show you some more stuff. Let's keep the party going. All right. <clears throat> I thought this was hilarious. WBA, talk about delusion. Just utter delusion. The night of the fight, I'm looking here. This is um, this is 10 o'clock p.m. So, I mean, this was like just after the fight. Tweets out, the WBA tweets out, Gabriel Maestro beats Michael Fox by unanimous decision. Congratulations, the WBA welterweight interim champion. And they tag him in there, right? I'm curious, how many followers does he have? Yeah, 3,400. All right. Anyway, this is minutes after the fight. So either they tweeted this without having seen the fight and understanding how controversial those scores were, or they did know and they didn't give a fuck and thought that you guys wouldn't give a fuck because it was a club show fight on a, you know, a poorly viewed card and it wasn't in the main event. But that kind of came to bite him in the ass because everybody did complain. Everybody did bitch. People noticed. It is harder to get away with corruption these days because of social media. There is a power there that the people have. So let's see. A day later, Gilberto Mendoza tweets out, uh, Maestro Fox, the review of the fight was ordered immediately based on the preliminary scorecards received indicates a direct rematch could be ordered. The judges who were also accepted by the Minnesota commission. Oh, putting blame on the Minnesota people because they're so powerful in the world of boxing will be interviewed individually. So this is basically when the president talks. And I'm not being political. Both parties are full of shit here, okay? I don't give a fuck which party is in office. They're all the same. This is deflecting. This is putting the blame on somebody else, giving people who want to defend the WBA another person they could point at. So he mentions the Minnesota Commission. Hey, they approved him too, right? Doesn't mention anything about the PBC who paid the judges and ultimately approved them as well. Uh, doesn't mention them because they're in business together, but shits on the Minnesota commission as if they were the most powerful entity in this whole equation. And then says, we're going to interview the judges individually and says that uh, a rematch could be ordered. Doesn't say anything about overturning the result. Doesn't say anything about possible disciplinary action. None of that. It's the same old shit. So guys, if they review, quote unquote, this fight, if they suspend the three judges for six months and they order a rematch, does it really fucking matter? Michael Fox still has a loss on his record that shouldn't be there, right? I tried to think of a, an appropriate analogy for this. <laughs> let's, let's take the NFL, for example. Imagine, if you will, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Dallas Cowboys. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score 30 points and the Dallas Cowboys score 15 points. Well, that means the Bucs are, are the winners, right? Well, what if the NFL stepped in and said, you know, no, 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 no. The Dallas Cowboys are the winner. And you as a fan are saying, but, but they scored more points. And the NFL is like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want the Cowboys to go to the playoffs. So they're the winner. And that's just, that's it. You, but you know what? These guys will play each other again next season and we'll, we'll, we'll settle the score, right? 
that is essentially what the fuck happens in boxing over and over in these sorts of situations. Like, like that's what happens. It'd be like if you're watching an auto race, um, Formula One racing, and the green car gets over the finish line before the blue car, but Formula One says, no, 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 the, the blue car won. And you're like, well, the green car, they showed the slow motion replay. They crossed the finish line first. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the blue car wins the race. But they're going to race again in six months. So don't worry. But for this day, that guy wins. That's what they're doing. They're insulting your intelligence. I was trying to think of an appropriate analogy for this. And this is going to bring me to my, my question to you guys for this episode. Okay. And actually, I'm going to hold off on that. There's one more thing I need to hit on first. Let me share my screen. Before I get to my question for you, I actually have a question for you guys today. Okay. But before I get to that, I want to share my screen. My man, Francisco Salazar, great boxing writer out of Cali, um, tweeted this uh, yesterday. So I guess the WBA president, Gilberto Mendoza, likes to reward incompetency and buffoonery. Goya Martinez was the judge who last night scored the Maestri Fox fight 117-110 for Maestri. Her car reflects she scored two rounds for Fox. That's Adelaide Bird level bad. Hashtag boxing. Beautifully worded, perfectly worded tweet from Francisco. You, sir, get an applause from me. Because Francisco did not go the typical route. I saw Corey Erdman over at The Zone, who's a political extremist and activist, and other guys go, where they are interjecting their own politics and making it... making it about political things, divisive things that take people's sight away from the bigger issue here. So I want to show this. I want to blow up these two pictures that Francisco shared. Um, I guess back in, in 2019, Gloria Martinez was the award for female judge of the year. So she literally won an award at the WBA. This is not some rookie judge. This is a celebrated judge over at the WBA. So the WBA leadership, absolutely has blood on their hands on this one. But here's a spicy little tweet that um, this is just disgusting. If this really was her account, uh, this is back last year. This is literally a year ago. Uh, Gloria Martinez said, I don't even want to read this. I'll let, well, all right, I'm, this is not me saying this. I am reading what Gloria tweeted. Okay, I want to preface because there are people out there just waiting to jump on me. But Gloria Martinez, there's a picture of Michelle Obama. I don't even know what tweet this was in reference to, but there's a picture of the former first lady. And Gloria Martinez Rizzo says, okay, monkey face, your time is gone. Bye-bye. I don't even know what this is in relation to because in 2020, uh, this woman's husband wasn't even in office anymore. So, so that message already is ignorant as fuck. But then also using the word monkey to describe this woman disgusting, absolutely indefensible. There's no way you can explain it, right? And in an age where the word racist is probably the most overused, misused, and abused word on social media and all media, academia, Hollywood, all of it, the, the, the great danger in that, there are many dangers in abusing and overusing and misusing that label. One of the biggest dangers, though, is it allows real racists 
like this person to slip under the cracks. Because when you devalue the label of a word, most people start to tune it out. Most people be, oh God, they're saying peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are racist. Jesus Christ. Okay, wh whatever, asshole. And they, when they hear that word, they tune out, right? So when a real racist tweets something in 2020 during the height of race riots in our country and an election that divided our whole society, she tweets something this fucked up, okay? That can slip through the cracks because there are so many people out there looking for racism and sexism and xenophobia and all these buzzwords and phrases where it doesn't exist. And I've been a victim of that. So it is personal to me. I'm a victim of it all the time. And they're going to go after me this week. I'm telling you guys right now. And anyone who knows me and knows my family and my background understands that those labels are fucking ridiculous when they're thrown at me. But here's an instance where this woman is literally saying something racist in this fucking tweet. Does this mean I want her thrown in a gulag and, and executed, you know, by firing squad? No, but this is fucking disgusting. And something like this can slip through the cracks because people are so... I don't want to say confused, uh, distracted is the better word. They're so distracted by all the faux rage, the phony rage, the phony um, racism and all this stuff, right? That real assholes like this can slide under the cracks. That's the greatest, not the greatest danger maybe, but one of the greatest dangers of misusing those labels and calling everything you disagree with racist in taking everything you can out of context. Now, apparently, I don't know this woman. I've never met her. I don't know a fucking thing about her. But Corey Erdman tweeted this and a couple other people. Again, hit him as a source, not the most reliable source. He's not exactly a, I didn't even know who Corey was until very recently this year. He attacked me. But he said that she's a Trump supporter, right? And that added a new film to this for some people who are, they have their own biases and bigotry toward people's political views, right? That they disagree with. Let me state for the record, I don't give a flying fuck who this woman votes for or who any of you vote for, whatever your political persuasion is. You guys know me. I think they all suck. I don't vote for any of them, but the the people bringing that up and trying to say that that somehow adds to this woman's um, lack of credibility. No, don't bring that up. Don't interject your own political bullshit into this. The fact that she's a bigoted piece of shit in her personal life is enough. And the fact that she scored this fight 10 rounds to two, the, the wrong way is enough. That's enough. Also, though, some of you are getting so caught up in the political aspect of this because you're so biased yourself and extreme yourself in your politics. You're missing that all three motherfucking judges robbed this kid blind. It wasn't just the bigot. It was all three of them. So while that matters and we should talk about it and the WBA should fucking address it. All three of these guys ripped the kid off. That's the bigger picture here. That's the bigger issue. 
All three of them ripped the kid off. The PBC ripped him off. The WBA ripped him off. And everybody associated with those organizations and their defenders ripped this fucking kid off. That's the big picture here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? Not who this fucking woman voted for. Leave that out. When you do that, you lose credibility yourself and you take focus away from the argument that really matters here. The, the real problem, the corruption going on. All right. So let's stay focused. Yeah. Had to get that off my chest because I saw some people tweeting about that. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? The fact that she used a racial slur to tweet is enough. <laughs> let's focus on that. The fact that she scored the fight so poorly, let's focus on that. Th those are the things that matter here. Okay. Uh, so, so I, I just need to make that distinction. All right. Now, comparison time. <sighs> comparison time. You see, a couple of you guys on the chat are saying, so let me see, let me get to this. Uh, Neil's in the chat says, she's a Trump supporter shows lack of judgment. Look, I just don't think there are, there are Biden supporters who are show lack of judgment. Let's leave that out of it. Let's focus on the issue at hand. Okay. And by the way, guys, um, there are people out there already making this comparison. Um, and I know it's coming. And, and the reason why I'm going to personalize this a little bit more is because I know the attacks that are coming. And I know you guys out there care about me and you're going to want to forward these tweets to me and forward the YouTube videos people are going to make about me. I don't really give a fuck. I know what they're going to come with. Back in what, 2014, 2015, wherever it was, um, Sergey Kovalev posted a uh, I don't know if it's on Instagram or something, a photo of a little boy wearing a shirt that had a monkey on it. And he pointed to it and said, Adonis looks great, right? And this caused a huge controversy. And he was referring to Adonis Stevenson. Now, according to Sergei Kovalev, Adonis Stevenson called Sergei Kovalev an, uh, an ugly ape. And so he responded and retaliated with this picture of the kid wearing the monkey shirt. Okay. I was pretty vocal at that time on Twitter. And I even made a YouTube video on my old channel. That's, uh, I have a new channel now that um, didn't necessarily defend Kovalev, but basically was, hey, let's give this guy a pass. There's a language barrier there. Obviously he didn't understand the subtext to that word as it relates to Adonis Stevenson. Um, give the guy a break. You know, English is a second language. Uh, chill out, right? There are people that have taken that tweet as recently as this year, gone back and found that tweet or that video and sent it out saying, oh, Michael Montero is defending Sergey Kovalev calling Adana Stevenson a monkey. That's not the fucking case. Uh, number one, he didn't call him that. I explained to you guys what he did. But number two, because details matter. But number two, I never defended him. I explained at that time, let's give the dude a break here, right? Uh, no one's ever complained about Sergey Kovalev. He was training, I think, with Buddy McGirt at the time, and Buddy never said anything like that. Um, however, that was six, seven years ago. Since that time, we've seen Sergey Kovalev do some fucked up things. He said some fucked up things. It's pretty clear that the guy is not the best human being in the world. He's a piece of shit in his personal life. We know this now. So it's easy to look back at my tweet in 2014 or whenever the fuck it was and, and, and 
bring it to 2021 and try to use that against me. The only reason I bring that up, guys, is because I know someone's going to hit me on that this week without providing any of the context I just provided you with. Would I defend Sergey Kovalev's actions now, knowing the six, seven years worth of information we know about him now, because we have a bunch of links now in a chain that just clearly displays flawed behavior. Of course not, because now we see it all, right? And we can see that the guy's got fucking issues. But at that time, we didn't have that extra information. So it's important to provide these details. Now, anyway. <sighs> One last segment to this rant, and then I promise we'll move on. I was thinking about this this weekend, and I want you guys to stick with me for a second here. Some of you older guys, and there's a couple of women in the chat. So everything I'm about to say, um, just flip the words, okay? Flip the pronouns, because this goes both ways. But most of the people watching the show or listening are heterosexual males, right? So most of you older guys, you have dated a girl at some point that was a fucking lunatic that was a crazy person right and you guys fought and you fought in front of your friends you maybe even fought in front of your family you bitched to people at work about her right but you kept going back to her right you drove your friends nuts you drove your co-workers nuts because you were always bitching and they always had to see you fight with her there was ups and downs and peaks and valleys right but you kept going back and you went back because the sex was really really good she was a freaking bed. I'm going to use a word that might offend some of you guys. The pussy was bomb. It was the best pussy of your life, right? At that time. So you kept going back. You kept her around. You dealt with the bullshit. Even though she drove you fucking nuts and you fought all the time because she was a 10 out of 10. She was sexy as hell. She was a freak. Freak potential off the charts, right? But at some point, at some point, you reached a tipping point. The scale got tipped so much where you said, this isn't worth it anymore. You, you thought you had reached that tipping point several times, right? And you told your friends, I'm done with this chick. I'm done with her. And they're like, good. Thank God. But then a week goes by, two weeks go by. You ignore that first text. You ignore that second or third phone call. Then she starts texting you pictures naked. Starts texting you pictures in lingerie starts texting you, sexting you, and it's Thursday night, 11.52. All your friends are asleep. <laughs> Everyone, it's nighttime. No one can see you. And she's like, come over, baby. And you do it. You say, fuck it. Brush your teeth, throw on some clothes, and you drive over there because no one can see you, right? And then you get back with her. And you keep doing this and doing this. And sometimes this goes on for months. Sometimes it goes on for years. But eventually. You come to your senses and you move on because you don't marry that girl. You don't have kids with that girl. You don't bring that girl home to meet your mom, right? Now, where am I going with all this? I just had the epiphany this weekend after all this fuckery I saw with this fight and thinking about other recent fuckery and then Canelo saying, ah, fuck it. Yeah, we got to deal with Bevel, but yeah, fuck it. I'm just not going to fight. I'm just going to wait two months so I can, who knows what he's doing. Um, I thought, you know what? Am I that guy 
when I describe why I like boxing to my friends and family, because sometimes my family and my friends look at me a little, they give me a little look like that, you know, why do you love boxing so much? They continue to make an asshole of you. They continue to make a fool of you. And do I look like, do I come off like that dude that is dating that psycho chick that all his friends hate? Is that the way I come off to my friends when I talk about my love of boxing? Am I that simp that keeps going back to that crazy chick? Is boxing that crazy, crazy broad? Because I think we could all admit, once boxing has you hooked, you're hooked and they know, right? And boxing, the reason why I'm using this comparison of the, the crazy ex with the great sex is because with boxing, you do not get the highs that boxing gives you in any other sport. I truly believe that. And most people do. Boxing at its best is better than any slam dunk you'll see, any touchdown throw, any uh, penalty kick in, in football, right? The World Cup, any, any home run. Boxing, like Gotti Ward, round nine. Hagler Hearns, round one. Like, like, dude, there's nothing else in sports that can top that, right? So when you get hooked by that, it doesn't hook everybody, but if you're one of the people it does hook, you're emotionally attached. And it's like that chick you dated in college or whatever it was that was a freak. And you knew she was bad news. And you knew that she was stressing you out and aging you prematurely, but you kept her around. And it drove everybody nuts. And I'm like, dude, is that boxing? Are we all simps? Are we all simps that keep going back to the crazy bitch that our friends hate? Is UFC the girl you marry? Is college football the girl you marry? Is baseball the girl you marry? Wh whoever, fill in the blank. And boxing is the girl you have a good time with? So. Here's my question to you guys and all of you on the phone. I know you guys have your things you want to express, but I want an answer to this question. Okay. All my ranting for the last hour gets, gets to this question. Okay. So thank you for listening. If you're sticking with my analogy and boxing is that crazy chick with the amazing sex, right? Or the perfect fucking ass, right? And you can't walk away. Is there a tipping point for you personally where you can decide that you'll walk away? Or, or do you just admit that you're the simp and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be that dude that marries this dysfunctional fucking crazy chick. And I don't give a fuck what my friends say or my family say, because when we're alone, <laughs> there's things she does to me that blow my goddamn mind, and I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. So it's worth all the drama that I have to go through Monday through Saturday because Sunday is off the fucking hook. I want to know. Are you just going to admit that you're that guy? Because maybe that's who I am with when it comes to boxing. Maybe I'm just a complete fucking simp, right? And I just need to own it. I just need to get over it and just accept it and say, you know what? I need to stop giving a fuck about all this because the highs that boxing gives me, I know September 25 when Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk are about to, the, the, the opening bell is about to sound. Dude, I'm going to be on pins and needles. My heart's going to be racing, right? 
because there's nothing else in sports that can meet that moment. Nothing. And I love sports. I watch pretty much every damn sport. I really, really do. But boxing gives me that, right? So I know damn well, as frustrated as I am today, as much as I'm bitching, when that fight hits, I'm going to be excited and watching that shit. Just like you motherfuckers. So is there a tipping point for you? And by the way, I don't want to hear no bullshit. I don't want no dishonesty because the worst thing is if you're that motherfucker that's going to call in today and be like, I'm done with boxing. Fuck this shit. But then a month later, you're going to call up and be like, yo, Mike, who you got, AJ or Usyk? Because you know who you would be if you do that? You'll be that guy that tells his friends, I'm done with this chick. But then when she texts you a picture of her naked and it's, you know, midnight on Tuesday, you drive over there, right? And you bring some clothes so you can get up in the morning, put your shit on and drive to work. And none of your friends have to know about it. Don't be that guy. Own it. Are you going to reach a tipping point or do you just accept that you're a fucking simp and it is what it is? That's my question to you guys. Okay. Whew. That was a mouthful. Hopefully that analogy made some sense to you and my ranting didn't bother too many of you. <laughs> All right. Uh, super chat from feeling dangerous. Thank you so much, brother. He says, uh, you should do a special episode on politics and sport and boxing. It gets really annoying. It takes away from, uh, the escape that is sports. Well, that's just it, bro. Some, boxing is political, right? Just like any sport. And it, there, there are microcosms of the, the greater political world all over in, in boxing. So sometimes you have to talk about it. Sometimes race is a factor or nationality or, or political persuasion. Sometimes those things are a factor. But some of the things I saw people mentioning about this woman, what the hell is her name again? Gloria Martinez Rizzo. Who she voted for or whatever has nothing to do with her bigoted, idiotic, ridiculous tweet uh, to Michelle Obama or her terrible scorecard, right? So that's an instance where people's own political biases are, they're letting that, they're injecting it into an issue where it doesn't belong. Leave that shit out and focus on the, the bigger issue there. But could I do, I, listen, I've, I've thought about doing a political podcast for a long time. I do think I'm going to do it at some point. Um, I have to do it the right way because I'm going to be attacked. I'm going to be ripped apart for it. So I have to be set up pretty well to do that. Okay. But one day I think I'll get there. Uh, one foot out the door with the super chat. Thank you so much, man. He said, opinions are like an ass. Everybody's got one. Just got to remind them. If I wanted to listen to an ass, I'd fart. <laughs> okay. I, was that directed toward me? I hope not. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the super chat. Uh, John Uden on the chat. What's up, man? I ain't seen you in a while, John. Um, with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said, if, uh, if only... If I only watch boxing on TV, maybe I could walk away. But the live atmosphere a big fight gives me is second to none and keeps me a simp. Dude, exactly. And that's the thing, man. Like, I try to, uh, I try to um, explain that to my friends. And, you know, most of the people, like, I'll explain I remember when uh, Bradley Pacquiao happened because that was a pretty big fight. And I had a, a, a pretty good friend, at the first one, where it was very controversial decision and went to Bradley. 
I had um, a really good friend just be like, Mike, how the fuck can you watch boxing? Why are you so invested in this sport? Why? And I tried to explain to him, bro, have you ever been to a fight? And he had, he's never been to a fight. And he, he like refuses to go because he's like, this shit's so corrupt. Whatever. Meanwhile, he's a huge football fan. I'm like, yeah, the fucking NFL, man. They're the beacon of nobility because uh, they're not, they don't have major issues over there and ethical problems in the NFL. But anyway, I tried to explain if you go to a fight and you're live and just the atmosphere, and if you're emotionally invested um, in it, it, it's just, it's different. It, it really is different. But again, John, we sound like that dude that's saying, oh, you just don't know this chick the way I know her. You don't, man, if you knew her the way I knew her, and, and ladies, you ladies out there listen, I'm sure you've said this to your girlfriends. If you only knew him the way I knew him, you know, uh, or, or to your parents, you know, like, dad, you just don't know him the way I know him, right? I'm sure, ladies, it's the same thing with you. Again, this isn't one-sided. I have to preface it because it's 2021. But that's how we sound, dude. I really think that's how we sound to our friends that, are, that don't get it. I, that's just how we sound. <sighs> Sad but true. Sad but true. Okay, really quick. Let's do a fight preview. I don't know how we even get back to a fight preview after this, but... We have a pretty loaded weekend here. Not all great fights, but a lot of fights. So Saturday, August 14th, Matchroom Fight Camp is back over in Brentwood on the zone here in the States and over there too on the zone. Joshua Buatzi, 14-0, uh, 2016 Olympian, born in Ghana, fights out of London, going up against a fighter from Latvia, Richard Bolotniks, in a 12-round light heavyweight fight. Also on this card, 20-0, um, welterweight prospect out of the UK, out of Portsmouth. Michael McKinson going up against Polish fighter. Oh, this is going to be tough. Uh, Premislav Ranowski. Yeah, I think I did pretty good with that. All right, uh, so that's a 10-rounder. And top rank on ESPN Plus from the Hard Rock in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Arnold Barboza Jr., 25-0 out of Long Beach, California, originally, I think, fights out of Los Angeles now, going up against Antonio Moran, 10-round junior middleweight fight. Also, the third fight between Joshua Franco and Andrew Maloney. Now, I'm interested in this one. These guys have fought twice. This is for the WBA uh, regular, uh, WBA regular super flyweight champ, junior bantamweight champ, I should say. Uh, Chocolatito is the real champ. Stop it with this regular nonsense. Fuck the fucking belt. These guys have fought twice, and they've been interesting fights, man. Last June, Franco beat Maloney. But then there was a rematch in November where Maloney started really well. Remember that? I think it was like two or three rounds in, and Maloney won those rounds and won them pretty big. But then there was a clash of heads, and um, there was a headbutt and a cut, and they had to stop the fight. So I want to see this third fight. I think it's going to be a good one. <clears throat> the other Maloney brother, Jason, coming off a KO7 loss to Naoya Inoue last October, is fighting Chicago native Joshua Greer in a 10-round bantamweight fight. Then PBC on Showtime, uh, brought to you by TGB Promotions, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, just south of Los Angeles. Uh, I'll be covering this fight for ringtv.com. Uh, look for my preview this week. Remember, guys, I'll tell you for the last time, I'll stop mentioning it. Uh, this issue of Ring Magazine has a preview between Nonito Donaire and John Rael Casimero because you guys remember what happened with all that. My original article that was going to be in this magazine will be posted on the site this week as a preview. 
So check that out because there's some good quotes from Rigondio, who actually is pretty funny in person when you talk to him. And I uh, had some good quotes in there. And, of course, I got some stuff from Casemiro and uh, his manager, Sean Gibbons. So uh, John Rayo, Casemiro, Guillermo Rigondio fighting for the WBO bantamweight title in the main event. Also, Gary Antonio Russell, one of the Russell brothers, in a nice step-up fight here. 18-0, bantamweight prospect, going up against Emmanuel Rodriguez of Puerto Rico, who has lost two in a row but is still a quality veteran fighter. I like this step-up for Russell. Then the fight of the weekend. Golden Boy Promotions on the zone from the Ford Center in Frisco, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Virgil Ortiz Jr., one of my favorite I was going to call him prospect, but he's a contender now. Uh, him and Jerron Boots Ennis. It's those two guys, man. Who I'm, I'm really excited about both of them. But Ortiz is going up against the mean machine. Igadijus Kavadiauskas. Try seeing that name three times fast. 12-round welterweight fight. Ortiz is 17-0, 23 years old. Sky's the limit for this kid. I love his demeanor. And he's all business. There's no drama. All the bullshit that you get with Ryan Garcia's privileged, pampered ass. It's the exact opposite with Virgil Ortiz Jr. And he's got more upside. So uh, I can't wait to see this fight, man. Ortiz is coming off the KO win over Maurice Hooker in March. The Mean Machine last fought last September. So I think that's a nice step-up fight for Ortiz. Boom! That is the fight preview. All right. Now, we got a couple calls here. I'm going to jump to these because you guys have been on hold for a while I want you guys, I'm about to jump to the phones. You guys on the phones, I want you to hear me. I want to keep this shit civil. I want to keep this shit professional. Yes, I've sworn a thousand times of being a hypocrite, but seriously, keep this shit civil. Keep it professional. No conspiracy bullshit. No race bullshit. All right? I mean that. Also, I want an answer to my question right away, and then we can get into your stuff. All right? All right, let's jump over to the phones. Let's see, 317, you are on TNC. Go. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Jack Alter. I'm actually in a restaurant right now, and I was hoping you could take another call first because <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to like pick up immediately. <laughs> Shit. All right, Jack. Uh, yeah, I'll jump to another no, call, man. Okay. Call back Call back in about 10 minutes, all right? Give me a second, though. Call back in a few. Okay. All right. All right, we'll try this again. Let's jump to... 805. 805, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Um, as far as, uh, let me just get the question out of the way. I give you credit for the uh, creative analogy, but in a lot of ways, I don't think that uh, the analogy completely fits okay. um, your love of boxing, comparing it to a, a, a psycho ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, I give you credit just, for it. I'm just frustrated today, you know, man. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just frustrated I today. I, I, I completely, <laughs> I completely understand the frustration. But uh, yeah, it just it made your uh, comparison did make me laugh because it took me back to a time when I was in that same situation. So I can. Dude, I completely we, concur with us. We've all been there, said. brother. Any grown ass <laughs> man has been there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just uh, to be honest, though, as far as like, would I ever, would there ever be a tipping point where I would say, no, I'm not going to watch the sport? To be honest, no, because that would have already happened, Mike. There's been so many horrible decisions and blatant robberies 
and in, in years past, and I still watch the sport no matter what. Okay. So in reality, yeah, I feel I feel like I'm never going to stop watching the sport, even when there are uh, crappy crappy uh, decisions, uh, robberies, and and uh, you know controversial you know fights because. Um, if that was the case, I would have already done it years ago because there's been so many fights where stuff like that has happened already. So I would have already given up had that already happened. So to me, this weekend is going to be um, a little bit of a of a redemption because we're going to get two cards with uh, Maloney and Franco and Ortiz and Kavalishkas that I think are going to kind of put everything back into perspective as far as like we're going to see two two good action fights and hopefully we have no controversy um at the end of the day uh once both once the dust settles from uh both of those fights and then you got pacquiao and spence coming up uh the weekend the following weekend so honestly i don't think i I don't think i would uh constitute one bad weekend being the reason i stopped watching the sport because if that was the case i would have already given up a long time ago um just really quick on the on the card, um, I totally agree with everybody saying that uh, Fox got completely screwed. Um, I mean, I'm just not convinced. I watched that fight twice, and I don't think I could bring myself to give uh, Maestro more than three rounds. Yep. Uh, and I don't know what the hell those judges were watching. I mean, for them to literally sit there and say that they felt – uh, Maestro had done enough to win uh, five rounds on two of the cards, and the other one had it nine to three for him. No, no, dude, they, like, they had insane. it. They had it seven, five, eight, four, and ten two for him. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, even I worse. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that you could. No matter how, how many times you watch that fight, if you're being completely objective. There is no way in hell you could give that guy seven rounds. Absolutely not. At most, you could give him three rounds. I thought Fox completely had him baffled, was never able to get on track, and Fox just basically, you know, made him look horrible. And the fact that somehow, some way, he managed to get the fight handed to him is just, it's unbelievable. It really is. And, and that's what makes, um, uh, that's what makes it tough to believe that, you know, uh, national uh, broadcasters like Fox are going to want to be involved in the sport when you see stuff like that happen. Like, that that turns off uh, broadcasters and viewers when they clearly see a guy just got jobbed the way he did. So if Fox ends up uh, not renewing their contract with PBC, I mean... I'd hate to say it, but this would be one of the reasons why they would point to it. I think it was just ugly. It was an ugly, ugly scorecard. And yeah, there's no other way to put it. Um, and then with the main event, I was really hoping to see, uh, Stanionis kind of, you know, have his, uh, breakout performance beating Colazzo. And it looked like he was on his way up until that headbutt, And, you know, they ended up stopping the fight, but, I mean, I'm glad Colazzo's calling it a wrap because you could see he's a 40-year-old guy in there. You could see that everything, the reflexes and everything is slower. He's not the, the, not that he was like a 
all-action type of guy even when he was younger, but at least he was crafty and slick enough to where he could get away with certain things when he was younger that now at his age he can't. So I'm glad he's retiring and hopefully he stays retired because I I would not want to see that guy get dragged out to get uh, beat up by somebody else. And on that note too, um, man, somebody needs to be honest with Devin Alexander and just talk to that dude about maybe it's time to find something else to do because, I mean, I know he's younger than Colazzo, but it seems like all of those wars and the injuries and and his, uh, you know, uh, uh, outside-the-ring issues, I think they finally caught up to him. He just doesn't look like the same guy he was uh, seven, eight years ago. I think he's done. And I would hate to see that guy just be used as a stepping stone uh, for younger guys. But if he continues to fight, I think that's what he's going to be, which is sad. But I don't know if anybody's going to be honest enough with him to tell him that it's time to call it a day because that poor guy is just, he's just going to be used as cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but I think that's, that's what's going to happen with him. I, I give Santa Maria credit. He did what he had to do, but he, he beat the, the shell of what was once a, a great fighter in uh, Devin Alexander. So, I mean, I hope that uh, someone just tells him, yeah, I think, I think it's time for you to, find something else to do Devin because it's not it's not going to get any better I think it's only going to get worse uh, as he gets older and um, was oh yeah and then uh, I, I know you were uh, I think I saw you uh, mention it on Twitter Mike um, do you think that if you called in a ringside reporter at some point again um, you do you think that uh Jason would call in at the same time and try to call you out like he he previously did before. I don't think he would, but what did, he, what did he say? What did he, for those of you who don't know who are I listening, mean, that's you know, it's, it's a caller to uh, bring the Ringside Reporter podcast who always has really nasty shit to say about me for some reason. But what did he say? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, he's just rehashing a lot of the same shit about how you know you're you're a terrible reporter, you're biased. You don't like black fighters. It's a, a lot of the same stuff he said before. But the reason I'm, I'm curious as to if you would call him out again is because you did call him out once when he actually had the balls to call the show when you were on it, and you basically made him look like a moron, kind of the same way you did with Fight Doctor the other day. Because those two guys, literally, their whole their whole agenda is just to be nasty and and vile and totally biased. And the fact that you were able to shut down Fight Doctor and make him, you know, basically tuck his tail and run, I think you would do the same thing to Jason. Uh, Because Jason, to me, is he's just one of those guys, he likes being loud, but in reality, his loudness doesn't, he doesn't come with facts. It's just him being loud and obnoxious that he thinks he's right. That's what social media gives people the the opportunity to do. The, The thing with that one Jason dude, He's he's used my face as his profile picture on Twitter before multiple times. And I'm like, dude, how much do you hate me if you're making me your profile picture? And, you know, like some silly face I'm making or something, you know, uh, he'll use that as like my profile pic. I'm like, dude, like get a life. But yeah, look, man, I live in Atlanta. That dude lives in like Buckhead, the, the, the nicest, most privileged, least diverse, by the way, part of Atlanta uh, for all his uh talk of of racial stuff 
I, I'd be happy to meet that dude anywhere he wants to meet uh, just to talk. If he wants to meet at a bar, cool with me. And he could chop it up with me. And and like, cause I'd like, same thing with that fight doctor guy, these guys, it's like, I, I don't want to run from anybody. I want to talk to them. I really want to talk to them because they, they got it all wrong about me, but they're, they're so biased themselves. It, it forces them to see things that just aren't there, you know, but yeah, that, that dude would never meet me in person or anything like that. He's probably some tiny little sawed off prick that's you know just a spoiled little kid or something so i ain't worried about it yeah that's (laughs) yeah that's the impression i get as well yeah but yeah all right mike well i'm sure you got other people waiting that was my call all right nacho good shit man have a good one brother thanks all right oh wait i dropped the wrong call oops i think uh Oh, sorry. One, somebody was on the line and I hung up on you. Sorry. <laughs> right, I think, I think that might've been Jack. All right, Jack, keep it civil and get to the point. I'm going to jump to your call here. All right, Jack, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? Hey, I got disconnected for a sec. <clears throat> That's pretty weird. I think I hung up on you on accident. Did, did I... Yeah, no worries. <laughs> oh, it's my last day. At... I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I just had an Oreo shake. So I'm like burping, but. Uh, <laughs> okay that's I'll beautiful stop. jack thank but, you uh i just finished, yeah i just finished uh work today last day at meyer felt great it was kind of sad to see my boys go but enough of that um you made some really interesting points but that that x story dude you were going into some detail you were like let's be frank i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna use this word pussy right <laughs> pussy. the pussy was bomb <laughs> Yo, but because because no, no. I mean, there there are gonna be people that message me like, do you have to talk about that? Do you have to talk about sex on this shit? It's be, like, dude, come on, man. We, everyone's be like, been there. I'll be like, <laughs> watch a different podcast, faggot. <laughs> hey, don't use that word, Jack. Right. I'm serious. We don't use that fucking word. I'm dead serious. Right. Don't ever you, fucking use that word on the show again. Okay, my bad. I know it's your. I know it's your show. That's, that's my fault. Yeah, I said it. Not Montero. Okay, my fault. But uh, uh, if you want, if you want to cancel me, cancel me. Don't don't cancel my boy. But uh, it was an interesting story. It was a funny story. Uh, but it's right because like I know a girl at the moment. She's she's a psychopath, but like like <laughs> I'll start. She'll start saying shit to me, and then I'm like, fuck, you make me so horny. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jack. <laughs> I know it sounds. Whole- <laughs> I know it sounds horrible, but you made a, uh, I know a Nacho, I think that's his name. He like disagreed. Uh, but dude, you hit the nail on the head because I've had multiple friends say to me after really like, uh, what was that? A Ripton Vasquez fight. I never saw it. Wasn't that supposed that to be was a, a That was a complete fucking robbery. Yeah. They ripped that kid off too. So my friend, yeah, my friend Jordan was saying how like, I'm done with boxing and, the only time I ever said I was done with boxing was a uh, Canelo Triple G two. So imagine this: your favorite fighter's ducked all these years. The first time a guy, uh, uh, an elite guy, steps up to fight him, uh, he fights him when he's old and he loses, right? But he gets a draw, right? Then what? Then he gets caught with uh, like steroids, and then one or like six months later they fight, and your guy wins, but he actually loses on the card. I said to myself right after that fight, I was like fuck boxing i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to deal with this bullshit anymore. And I was like, I didn't, I, I was like about to cry. I was so upset that they robbed Triple G like that after he put on a wonderful performance. But like, uh, I know that's possibly the worst thing that could happen to a boxing fan. Like what I just described, that's like the worst case scenario. Your favorite fighter gets ducked. And the first time he steps up, he gets robbed. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I said to myself, I said to myself, I'm fucking done with boxing. And the next day, I was like, nah, I'm fucking that shit. That's how <laughs> it goes, brother. I'm the same way with girls. Yeah. Like if a girl like, well, but here, fucks my heart the next day, like I'll say I'm done with girls, and you're like, nah, I'm fucking that shit. Well, but see, you're oh, a young yeah. guy, and you're going through that phase, and this is a phase all young guys go through. But then you reach an age where it's like, I want a dependable woman that is going to take care of me, be good to me, that I can bring home to meet my mom. That's who I want to marry. And then you, so you kind of move on from the psycho chicks, you know, and Hey, I had plenty of fun with plenty of psycho chicks, you know, and you're going through that phase now. But my question generally was, you know, is there a tipping point? Do you think you'll ever get to that tipping point where you walk away? Okay. Then let me ask you this, Jack. that That was the worst. That was the worst case scenario. Okay, well then let me ask you this. Okay. And then and then I'm going to move on, but um since we're admitting that we're going to keep coming back, since we're basically admitting that we're simps that are never going to walk away and we're going to deal with all the bullshit and all the drama cuz the pussy just that good, right? If we're admitting we're that guy, yeah. do we have any room to bitch about shitty scorecards? Do we have any room to bitch about fights not getting made? Since we're admitting that we're simps, and secondly, second part to that, uh, well, no, let me just stick with that. What do you think? That's a good-ass question, dude. <laughs> That's a fucking right? good-ass question. Like, I'm, I don't really know. I mean, yeah, you should say something because it's not just like, I mean, imagine like uh, the card we just got. It's like, hmm, just listen to the scorecards. Like, hmm, I disagree with that. No, you don't fucking say you disagree with that. <laughs> with yeah. that, it's a bunch of shit fucking shit it's shit dude it's a bunch of it's and dude that lady um dude the fact i thought it was a fake account at first but the fact that the wba announced on twitter they like tagged her account dude that's on the that's all on the wba yeah that's all on the wba i was like i was like typical uh but i don't think there is a tipping point because like i said the worst scenario happened to me and i I don't think anything could happen to make me, and I agree. I think you'll agree with me there. I don't think there's a tipping point for you either. Yeah, I guess so. I guess what, what I'm struggling with is, is it that, cause they say some people, when it comes to relationships to stick with this analogy, they say some people are attracted to the drama. Some women like men that are fucked up cause they want to fix the man. Right. And some men like crazy chicks So some people are just attracted to the drama and is it as sports fans are boxing fans, the, you know, the the people of the sports world who are just attracted to drama. Maybe part of the reason we like boxing is because we get to bitch about this, the shitty scorecards and we get to bitch about fights not happening. We just get to bitch about things. Maybe that's the part of why we like it. I don't know. Maybe it's this weird, uh, like dependency we have. I, I just, I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm feeling philosophical today, and I'm trying to break this all down. I just don't know. Yeah, you were you were pissed 
I came home and like uh, I got in my car and I was like, holy shit, he is fucking pissed. I've never seen you this. And I couldn't see your face because I'm just like on my phone listening to you, you know, but you were like just going off. And I was, I haven't, I have not seen the fight. I, I is it a fight worth watching or? Like, wasn't a great a fight, but fight, it, it, I think it's worth, I think it's worth watching just to see for yourself and try to try to watch it without remembering the robbery. Just try to watch it and score it because it's one of those cases, Jack, where it's not a close fight. It really didn't feel like a close fight. It felt like a nine rounds to three, 10 rounds to two kind of fight. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's the shittiest scores I've seen, particularly that one woman scorecard in years. It really, really is, man. But I got I to gotta go, brother. I got to wrap up the show. We're running out of an hour and a half. Yeah, no worries. Hey, sorry about dropping uh, the F slur. That's all on me. Don't, don't, don't cancel Montero. If any of you come to cancel my boy, just you're, can't you're have it again, up. brother. Can't my have feet. it again. I'm telling you now. No, no, no. I won't. I won't. All right. Yeah. All right, man. You, you I, know, I, you know, I'm your boy. Mike. All right, I got you, man. Have a good one, brother. <clears throat> all right. So, you guys oh by the way super chat i forgot to get to this i'm so sorry mark super chat from mark ashley thank you very much he says uh the worst is that it kills new fans who are interested i have watched it long enough to take the hits knowing who won but that's not for everyone um yeah that's a really good point because again to use my analogy you know um if if you've seen it sounds really cliche, but if you've seen Hagler Hearns round one, if you've seen Gotti Ward round nine, if you've seen Canelo Triple G, if you've seen Chocolatito Estrada, if you've seen even Charlo Castaño, that was a really good fight, right? Uh, 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 Josh, uh, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez, really good fight. Those are recent fights that were really good fights. If you've seen these fights, it's hard to let go of the sport because it really does provide highs that other sports don't provide. The thing that the casual observer doesn't understand is they usually don't see those fights. They usually only tune in when Floyd Mayweather's fighting or Manny Pacquiao or Jake Paul, I hate to say it, but somebody like that, that's when they're going to tune in, right? The people that watch UFC and Conor McGregor and stuff, they're going to tune in the boxing when Jake Paul fights or when Floyd fights some YouTuber or something. They're not seeing these fights that I'm describing, right? Most people did not see Gotti Ward one live. The only people who did were diehard fight fans. Casual fans tuned into the second fight, which wasn't as good, right? So, so we know boxing the way other people don't. But again, I go back to my analogy. We sound like that dude who says, man, you just don't know this chick the way I know her. Maybe there's some truth to that. But I'm just telling you guys, that's how we sound, I think, to our friends. I really think that's how we sound. And again, for the ladies listening, just reverse the pronouns there with that example. Uh, Boxer Girl on the chat says, there are so many drama queens uh, in boxing. But when it comes to the bullshit from last weekend, this isn't drama. I hate drama. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Because uh, what happened, this robbery wasn't drama. This was a kid getting ripped off. And it wasn't, it wasn't one judge who's a bigoted piece of shit in their personal life just fucking up the score. It was all three of them. So, again, 
while I vehemently, vehemently uh, want to shoot down this, some of this woman's rhetoric and some of the things that she has said uh, and, and completely disagree with it and think it's disgusting. The bigger issue here in a boxing context, context is that this was corruption between the PBC and the WBA. And I saw one of you guys in the chat earlier. I'm sorry, I missed 90% of the comments. I, I just can't uh, get to all the comments, but uh, I hope I can find this one comment. It's probably way up there. But one of you guys mentioned, oh yeah, okay. Andrew here in the chat says, the Armory has a lot of fights broadcast by PBC. Yes, that's true. He says, out of uh, Maestra's manager promoter, he says, Maestri's manager promoter owns the armory. What kind of deal do you think they gave him for that win? Now, I don't know if that's true. Andrew, do you have a source on this? Because that is another angle to this that I have not seen explored yet. If Gabriel Maestri's manager slash promoter owns the armory there in Minnesota, Minneapolis, that's that adds another wrinkle to the level of corruption involved here. So if you have a source on that, Please, please uh, send that in the chat because I would love to confirm that. All right. Um, Boxer Girl says, I came on too late, Mike. Yeah, you missed my ranting. Go back and watch the replay or um, subscribe to my um, my audio podcast. So Boxer Girl, we did a live video here on Ring's channel. All right. Uh, Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then the audio podcast comes out the next day on my platforms, Montero Unboxing. So wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or, uh, I don't know, Spreaker, all the all of them, there's a million of them, I'm on there. Just find the show there and you can listen to the whole thing or just watch the replay here on YouTube. Um, <laughs> Mish Pryor on the chat says, my mom in her 80s said, what? The tall guy won. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Um yeah, man, on that note, uh, I think we're going to – oh, you know what? We you know what? Okay, we got a couple more calls here, guys. We have to keep this real quick. I'm at a I'm past the hour and a half, and I just want to keep these super quick. So jump on, give your quick thoughts, and then we'll go. All right, let me jump on real quick to these last couple calls. Uh, 513, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, Mike, I just wanted to call and answer your question, and – no, I'm not going to leave boxing. Okay. It, the, the highs are too good. Like, you know, ne next week, we're like, you know, we had a couple weeks ago. Lee Wood won that uh, regular belt from there you uh, go. Tanzu. You yeah. know, those upset stories. Jay Brazado with that big knockout. Great Lee example. Gilar earlier this year. Kenneth Sims Jr. Like, great example. Those stories that they have too often where they get it right or you know once again you get a fantastic you get a fantastic fight like chocolatito uh, uh estrada too you just it, it, it gets to the point where it's so good and hopefully and you know one thing is one thing i know is like with these with these robberies and other other such nonsense like uh, uh, we, we can choose like we don't have to stop watching boxing as a whole but we need to start you know identifying cards these uh, uh, a fight headlining a wba interim title we don't have to watch that we vote great with our point feet. they'll get the message eventually <laughs> great point you brother know, so all that, right that, that, yeah. you get the applause <laughs> button <laughs> Because that's that's a really good point. For all my ranting and raving, 
Uh, you're right. We can choose which fights we watch. We can choose which platforms we support. And if there are certain platforms that can continue to support fuckery and propagate it, we can ignore them. So there you go. Yeah, and you know when it comes to like big fights not being made, well, we know big fights for us diehard fans. This is appointment viewing for you know big fight, you know smaller fights for me. I might catch up on it later. I might forget about it down the line. That that's kind of the way I view it. Eventually, the, the powers that be in boxing will get the message, and we rely on guys like you and the, uh, the and other guys at like the Ring Magazine to. Uh, you know, keep, keep it on the straight and narrow and call call balls and strikes. So appreciate you taking my call as you get to the other callers. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Great freaking call today, man. Yeah. Great freaking call. Because that's a point that, look, I get a little hot-headed. I get a little heated. And uh, sometimes I kind of overlook little details like that. That's actually, you know, my wife is the level-headed one in, in my marriage. And uh, that that's kind of something that she would say, what Andrew just hit on. is like, you don't have to watch this fight. You know, I just I, I feel so bad for for Fox, for uh, for Michael Fox, because th- this these three judges changed his life, you know, and it, it it's really a shame he got robbed. It really is a proper term to describe what happened to him. OK, last call of the show. Seven, nine, six. This is a UK call. You're on. What's up? Hello, Mike. I'm Ed. What's on? What's going on, man? Yeah, I listened to a bit. I didn't watch. I'm good. Uh, I didn't watch the full fight on the night, but uh, it looks like nothing's changed in the last couple of weeks since I last spoke to you. And I get it. People are saying some people will never stop watching boxing, but for me now, I think it's just about the big fights. But the problem in boxing is we don't really get those big fights. So I was watching the UFC the other day, and I'm, I'm becoming a bigger UFC fan, but. I was also keeping an eye on the boxing, and that whole card, it looked like it's a mess. The Clazo fight, um, I think it was an old contest, and I just don't think this is a PBC problem, although I do think PBC have keep messing up with all these WBA titles and decisions, but I just think it's a major problem in boxing. Charlo Castano was meant to be an undisputed fight, and maybe some people don't think that decision was as bad as this, but... Both those scorecards are very bad. The 117-111 in that fight, I think, was very bad. In this fight... That's a good point. It's arguably probably cr- it's yeah. criminal. But I just I just think... I'm getting sick of this. I don't, I don't know if there's any point like trying to watch... Uh, like A lot of these fights... Like Next week, I might check out the uh, Casamito fight. But after the... Um, Back to your Spence fight, I'm not sure if there's many fights apart from Joshua Usyk that I'm really interested in because I just I think nothing's being done about these judges. Like, do you think something could be done where the public would decide the winner, or do you think that will never happen? I don't think it's ever going to happen, but um, that, that's an interesting question because perhaps with the power of social media a promoter can tap into something like that and use it as a tool to make their, their fighters more accessible, make the fans, the viewer, a bigger part of the fight. 
maybe there's something there, you know, if, if a promoter could figure out how to do something like that, cause you see like during the fight, there will be a pole or something, you know, but if somehow yeah. a promoter could give power to the fans where, you know, um, they include them in on the scores somehow or something, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting, you know, but I, I Hamid, yeah. you know, I actually thought of you, when I was thinking of this rant, when I was, you know, making my notes for the show, because I've seen some of your tweets and stuff recently um, where you said yeah. that, um, you know, you're done with boxing, that you're checking out, that you're starting to tune out. So you're one of the people that I thought about when I was having, you know, when I was t making my notes this week. Uh, do you think that you're really being honest and objective when you're checking out or do you think you're just pissed off right now and you'll come back? No, no, I'm being honest. I appreciate that. The thing is, I don't get paid. Like, I write about it sometimes. I talk about it for hours and hours. Like, to people, uh, you know, off air, whatever. I talk to people uh, about boxing, like, regularly every day. But a lot of other people are also saying the same stuff. Like, how the WBA are operating, how the judges are scoring fights. I used to watch nearly every other card. Now, it's got to a point where I can't really... I just can't, uh, like, get up for all of these fights. It's not just uh, the fact that a lot of the best guys in fights are the best. is the fact that a lot of these fights end and until there's the official winner, we, we don't know who's going to win the fight. A guy could win 11, 12 rounds and he could get screwed. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think it happens regularly, but that's the guy who's always in play in boxing and that's the bad thing. The Bradley Pacquiao fight, was, that was a very bad decision. I thought... Bradley may have won about three, four rounds live, but I couldn't, I couldn't believe how they gave him that decision. And the fact is, there's so many big fights, uh, um, fighters get screwed like this. The thing is, I'm watching the UFC, and maybe there are bad decisions and corruption in that sport, but in there, there's not as many belts. That's one thing. There's not as many weight classes, and in the big fights, normally, generally, I think the right guy wins. Uh, in boxing, I think too many, it's too much politics. Al Heyman, guys like James Prince, Bob Arum, all these guys have way too much power. And I uploaded something. Teddy Atlas said there's no one big infrastructure over boxing. I think that's the problem. There's no one governing body to look over everyone. And you could say that the same about the drug testing. I know UFC has got a problem with drug testing, but in boxing, I think there's just too many problems. And I'll watch the big fight here and there, but I'm not sure like it's really worth my time now covering or watching all these fights. I hear you, man. You're on the record. Um, I got to jump because right. we got we to gotta wrap up the show, but I, right, I appreciate you. your input, Ahmed. All right. Thank you. Have a, Have a good one, man. A couple of uh, comments I just wanted to read here. Um, I thought uh, Kufujitsu uh, left a comment here and he, he basically saying, you know, it's hard to see where the next superstar is coming from with this current trend of picking your opponents and avoiding the best. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely like, who's going to be the next superstar. Well, you got to fight people and create demand to be a superstar. So, I mean, there's guys that are fighting on pay-per-view, but they're fighting in, you know, they're selling 200,000 pay-per-views. So is that a superstar? You know, is Tank Davis, for example, setting himself up to be a big superstar? You look at somebody like Ryan Garcia. Yeah, he gets a ton of hits on Instagram. Cool. That's awesome. TikTok. Yeah, he's really popular. 
does that translate to him being a superstar in boxing? I don't think so. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss right now. I don't know who the next big guy is, but it just seems like things continue to get minimized, man. Derek Williamson in the chat says ring should stop recognizing the WBA altogether. Viva IBO for the record. I want to put this on the record. Um, I did propose to the ring ratings panel that ring can just stops recognizing the WBA altogether. We just stop recognizing them. And I was voted down. Uh, so there were a few people who agreed, but most people felt, Hey man, it's the most historic organization. It, it does technically go back the longest. It goes back to when it was the national boxing association. It was the NBA. Um, so it goes back long before even the WBC came around. So there's a lot of history there. And, and I, I get that, but maybe we're at the point where, you know, I, I just think at the ring, for example, but other media outlets, we should just stop recognizing these things even exist and just stop talking about them. Uh, but right now the WBA is a, is a powerful entity in the sport. You know, it really is. I also wanted to read this comment from Nigel. Good to hear from you, Nigel. I appreciate your comment, man. He just says, Mike, your objectivity, knowledge, and honesty is the reason I've been tuning into your show for a few years now. Keep doing what you're doing. The sport needs people like you. Thank you so much, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the support, guys. I'm going to need it this week because they they are going to go after me. There is absolutely no doubt. All right, guys. Uh, whew, hell of a show. By the way, uh, my wife came in and uh, finally in the mail, look what I got. Uh-oh. My USA Boxing passbook is about to be out. All right, guys. I've been waiting months for this thing to come in the mail. It finally got here. All right. Uh, have a good one, guys. And uh, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do a Friday show on my channel, and then we'll be back here Monday. Uh, East side on the chat. What's up, man? You're, you're late. What the hell, bro? We're just wrapping up. It's all good. Watch the replay. All right, guys. Have a good one. Love you guys. Appreciate everything. See you at the fight.